Hello, this is the podcast English for Life in the UK. I want to start this episode with an apology. The sound quality on this episode is not as good as we would like and there is an imbalance between the sound when I'm speaking and when John is speaking. I hope you can bear with this. For those of you who can find the transcript, that will probably help you to follow what's going on. You may need to adjust your volume during listening to this. I do apologise and we'll try to get this right for the next episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English by listening to native English speakers talking about a range of subjects. We also hope that that will help you to learn more about life in this country. I'm joined today by John. How are, how are you today, John? I'm very well, Mark. Thanks. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good too. It's a nice sunny day here in lovely. Yorkshire. Yeah, a lovely sunny day in Halifax. It's lovely. Yeah. Great. So today we're going to talk about something called the G7, uh, which is happening this week. This is why we're doing this episode today. It's a very big event happening in this country, in the UK, in a place called Cornwall, which is down in the southwest uh, of the country. And it's bringing together some of the most powerful and important people from all over the world so we thought we'd do an episode, tell, talk a little bit about what the G7 is, but also then to talk a bit more about some of the other international organisations that uh, exist and where the UK plays an important role. So John starts off by saying, telling us a little bit, what is the G7? Well, G7, Mark, it's very simple initial it, it basically stands for group of seven so g7 stands for the group of seven um so these are seven of the largest richest economies in the world um until um recently it was the g8 um, um but it was at that point that russia were excluded from the g8 it went back to being the g7 so the countries that currently make up the g7 uh group are canada france germany Italy, Japan, the USA, and the United Kingdom. And it was founded in 1973 uh, as a reaction to the oil crisis of that year. And ever since, it's been engaged in um, pushing for free trade um, and economic development around the world. And uh, why is it taking place in the UK? It, basically, the countries take turns to, to host the, the G7 conference. So depending whose turn it is, it could be in Japan, it could be in France, it could be in Italy. Um, this year, it's the UK's turn to host it. I actually, while I've been researching this, it brought back some memories. I attended the 2005 uh, G, G7 conference, uh, which was in Glen Eagles in Scotland. Not, not as a delegate, as a, as a protester, I might <laughs> I didn't. I was about to say I didn't know you were a world leader, John. No, but... definitely not. No. 
Um, and um, what are the couple of big issues that the that the G7 might be tackling this week? Well, a lot of the news around the G7 uh, agenda coming up to this conference uh, has, has been to do with things around climate change, international development, and obviously, very importantly, health during the, the current pandemic. Um, it's also been quite um, big in the news as well because it's the first G7 conference that Joe Biden, the new president of the United States, will be attending. Uh, and it's seen as very important about uh, the relationships that the new president builds with the other members of the G7, particularly the, the UK. And I was particularly interested to read about the proposals for a, a kind of global approach to taxation, particularly taxing some of the big multinational technology companies. That seems to be a an important issue that they're, um, it looks like they're going to make some progress on, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, this is coming again from President Biden. Um, the, it's kind of the question of large multinational companies like Google, for example, and, and Microsoft, Facebook, who were seen as uh, avoiding tax where they, they might earn the money, for example, in the UK or the US, but they might register in Ireland or Luxembourg or somewhere to, um, as people see it, to avoid um, the taxation bill that they get in these countries. So I think a lot of the governments, the big world governments, are trying to get together to bring in what they're looking at, a minimum corporation tax that these companies will have to pay wherever they're registered. So, yeah, yeah. that's going to be quite an interesting part of it, yeah. So what other international organisations are important uh, that the, the UK is involved with? Well, as well as being a leading member of the G7, the UK is um, also one of the founder members and leading members of the United Nations, um, which a little bit like the G7, it was uh, founded in re response to a, a global um, a global catastrophe, really. It was founded in 1945 after World War II. And the most important thing was to work for security and cooperation between countries. So after the, the disaster of World War II, um, the leading nations of the world were very keen that, that, that the events of World War II shouldn't be repeated. Um, it did have uh, a predecessor in the form of the League of Nations, um, which was set up after World War I, but, but really failed to stop the march towards World War II, um, and that, that was the reason that the United Nations was set up. Um, the UK does hold a very important position in the United Nations, as it's one of what is known as the five permanent members of the Security Council. So alongside the United States, France, Russia and China, of course, who were the main victorious powers in World War II, these permanent members head up the Security Council and they are responsible for um, hopefully keeping peace and spreading cooperation around the world, or at least that's the idea. As part of the United Nations, there's lots of smaller organisations as part of the UN um, that deal with all different aspects of international relations and international development. So, for example, there's the International Court of Justice, which again is in the news this week because some of the uh, Bosnian, um, former Yugoslavian war criminals are going through trials. So that's been topical this week. Um, there is the UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. So they'll uh, they aim to deal with and look after and support refugees. 
uh, during times of war. Um, there's the International Monetary Fund, which deals with uh, international banking and trade. And very importantly, over the last 18 months, there's an organisation called the WHO, which is the World Health Organisation. So as you can see, the UN um, doesn't just deal with security, it deals through these agencies, all different aspects of international relations. And Other ones that you think we ought to mention? Yeah. Well, I think a very important one from the point of view of the UK is the Commonwealth. Um, because, uh, well, again, that's quite topical because the heads of government are meeting uh, of the Commonwealth are meeting towards the end of June in Rwanda, in Africa. And the Commonwealth is an international organisation uh, which consists mainly of former members of the British Empire. So I was looking at the map when I were doing some of the research about the Commonwealth. Uh, and if you look at, if you imagine the old map of the British Empire from, say, the late 1800s, the modern map of the Commonwealth um, basically matches that map fairly accurately. Um, so it's an organisation of 54 countries, uh, and it, as it says on their website, 54 countries working towards shared goals of prosperity, democracy and peace. Um, so the main countries that people will be familiar with, leading members of the Commonwealth, obviously the UK, Australia, India, Canada, Nigeria, South Africa, New Zealand, but also lots of smaller countries, places um, like Fiji, um, a lot of the islands in the Caribbean, places like Grenada and Barbados uh, are also members of the Commonwealth. Uh, and would it, be, would it be right to say, John, that the Commonwealth is not a particularly powerful organisation? Yeah, on, on the world stage, it's, it doesn't compare with, say, the G7 or NATO or other these. It's, it's, it's kind of more of a, if you like, a, perhaps a fraternal organisation that um, looks at promoting trade between these nations, looks at promoting human rights uh, and development. But it's, um, it, it is still quite an important um, organisation. I think the most for most people in the UK, um, one of the most visible elements would be the Commonwealth Games, um, which, like the Olympic Games, takes place every four years and takes in competitors from all of those 54 countries. Yeah, now, when you were talking there about other... Uh, comparing it to other organisations, you mentioned NATO. Tell us what NATO is, uh, John. Well, again, another very important international organisation from the point of view of the United Kingdom. Uh, NATO is a, a collective security organisation, which was set up in 1949 to check. Obviously, if you think about the period when it was set up, again, like the United Nations, set up post-World War II, uh, and the reason for setting up NATO was to check the growing power of the Soviet bloc. So it's basically the beginnings of the, what we refer to as the Cold War. Now, NATO is um, an acronym, and it stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So as you can imagine, geographically, it takes in the United Kingdom, the United States, Canada, uh, and historically, most of the what were then the democracies of Western Europe. So in the period after World War II, the Western democracies were very worried uh, that as, you know, places like Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Poland had become communist, they were worried that this communist expansion were going to 
perhaps uh, Italy, Greece, Turkey, these other places were potentially going to fall to the communists, as they saw it. Um, so for the, for the most part, for its inception, it was aimed at containing communism. Uh, and its opposing bloc was known as the Warsaw Pact, very famously, which was set up in 1955. Um, so as time moved on through the 60s and 70s, um, it moved into a period of what was known as detente. This was where the Western Bloc and the Eastern Bloc began to come to some sort of mutual arrangement that they wouldn't invade each other, that they'd try and build for peace and mutual coexistence. Um, it existed, obviously, throughout the period of 1989. We saw the collapse of the Warsaw Pact uh, and the, eventually the end of the Soviet Union and the end of communism. So a lot of people asked at the time, is NATO still relevant? Why do we still need NATO if there is no Soviet threat, so to speak? Um, but in the post-Soviet world, it's continued, actually it's continued to expand. It's taken in new countries in Eastern Europe, like Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, etc. Um, some people have found this quite controversial, especially in Russia. Russia actually discussed the idea of joining at one point, but were refused. Um, and in the years following the breakdown of the Soviet bloc, NATO has actually gone to war. Luckily, it never went to war with the Warsaw Pact. Um, but during the breakup, for example, of Yugoslavia, NATO were instrumental in going in to defend the Kosovan people. Um, they've obviously also in later years been involved in conflict in the Middle East, the Balkans, places like Libya. Um, so it is at times quite a controversial organisation, um, especially perhaps from, say, a Russian or a Chinese or Middle Eastern point of view. It does seem to me when we reflect on these organisations that we've talked about that actually Britain plays a very leading role in a lot of these. Um, and in some ways, you, th there is a phrase we use in English, we, we can say that they're punching above their weight. So in other words... Britain actually has a more significant role than its size, as a, and I don't just mean geographical size, but its economic size, its military power, compared with other countries. Probably Britain is playing a more prominent role than, than you might expect, although a lot of that is historically based, of course, isn't it? As you said, you mentioned the empire, and really that's where Britain's role in all of this starts with which is at the beginning of the 20th century britain was probably the most powerful country in the world through its empire so uh, john tell us if we come back to the g7 then because you know that's why we decided to do this episode this week because the g7 is happening that that those seven countries or even the eight when russia was there you could say it's a bit controversial, really. Why those seven or eight countries and where does, where does some of the other emerging powers in the world come into all this? Yeah, well, it, it kind of goes back to what you said. If, if you look at countries like um, Italy, for example, and, and you know Britain punching above the weight, a lot of this, um, a lot of the representation in these international bodies is based on, um, if you like, the historic position. So countries like the UK or Italy that might, you know, in the past have been bigger military powers or bigger economies on the world stage uh, have kind of been overtaken. And perhaps some of these organisations aren't particularly representative um, of, of how the world is at the moment. So this has been one of the controversies around the G7 that 
it doesn't take in, for example, what are known as the BRIC countries. So that's another another acronym. Um, BRIC stands for Brazil, Russia, India and China. So these are seen quite often along with South Africa and other countries, Indonesia, um, has been the new wave, you know, the new de newly developing and newly expanding economies. Um, so that is one of the controversies around it. There's a thing actually as well called the G20, um, which meets also on a regular basis, um, which includes the members of the G7, who we've already mentioned, but alongside countries like China, South Africa and, and other developed. One of the other controversies around the G7 and the things that it does has been, I mentioned before, myself and several thousand people went to Glen Eagles in 2005 um, to call for debt cancellation. Um, so again, it's seen as these powerful countries holding sway over poorer, more developing countries. So that is one of the things that um, some of the research I did, an, another acronym, <laughs> an organisation called CAFOD, which is Catholic Aid for Overseas Development. And CAFOD, along with a lot of other pressure groups, um, groups that advocate for developing nations, are calling for debt cancellation. Uh, so the G7, all the money that is owed from the poorer countries to countries like the UK and France and the USA. A lot of people at this conference are calling for them to cancel the debt, especially during the pandemic, so that if these debts are cancelled, that the developing nations will have the money to, to fight the pandemic at the moment. So yeah, in, in many ways, it is a bit of a controversial organisation um, by many people seen as, as quite outdated, especially in light of, uh, as we see the growth the vast growth of India and China and as new global economics. Very helpful, John. And we'll see what happens uh, in the G7 meeting this week. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mark. There Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some words or phrases from the episode and talk about them. So today, because we were talking about a lot of different organisations, we sometimes used the full name, but we sometimes used an abbreviation of some kind. So, for example, the G7 is an abbreviation for Group of Seven. The UN would be an abbreviation for the United Nations. The WHO for the World Health Organization. So, in each of these cases, we are using the first letter of each part of the name of that organisation, or in the case of the G7, a number. But sometimes those first letters become used as a word, and then that is known as an acronym. So we used in this episode acronyms such as NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So we didn't say N-A-T-O, we turned it into a word and said NATO. The other one that John mentioned in this episode was CAFOD, 
the Catholic Association for Overseas Development. So again, we used it as a word rather than spelling out the letters. And of course, there are lots of other examples. So as an abbreviation, sometimes also called an, an initialization, a good example would be the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Very few people would use the full name. They would always call it the BBC. And in acronyms, a good example would be ESOL. ESOL stands for English for speakers of other languages. So that's what we're about in this podcast. There are some good ones used a lot in social media these days. For example, people will often say LOL and LOL stands for laugh out loud. Those are some examples of both abbreviations and acronyms. Look out for them and I'm sure you will find other examples. That's it for this week. If you want to find out more about how to get the transcript for this episode and about all our other episodes, then stay listening. You can also find out how to support our work as well as to make contact with us through our email addresses. Take care of yourselves and keep practicing a bit of English every day. Thank you for listening. You can get the transcript for this episode and all others through our website www.saintaugustinescentrehalifax.org.uk That's also where you can find out how to support our work, including making a donation. You can contact us by email. We have a specific email address for this podcast, which is English for Life in the UK at gmail.com and there is also a general email address for the centre info at St Augustine's Centre Halifax.org.uk I'll spell out all of those so the website S-T-A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E-S-C-E-N-T-R-E-H-A-L-I-F-A-X dot org, that's O-R-G, Dot UK. The email English for spelt F O R 
life in the UK. And the general email info at is I-N-F-O at and then the same as the website address. Thank you and be back with you again soon.